Blog Talk Radio. Greetings in Black Power. This is the National Directive Operation 7. Mama 7 is actually known from Big Mama's House. But I am the National Director of Operation, operating under Chairman Yanga and Chief of Staff Ward. And we're doing our Did You Know? I love this series. Did You Know? takes some long, interesting looks at some African Americans that made huge contributions into who we are and what we do now. And so what I'd like to do is continue the tradition We've had some strong, strong personalities coming forward, sharing their knowledge, sharing their information. And for me, the most important part, what does this information mean to you? What does this contribution mean to you? And so we have to get down to the nitty-gritty. And I love, love highlighting the incredible membership that we have with the People's Black Panther Party. We are deep in um, knowledge, understanding, experience, compassion, and this is why we can call on so many different people to come in to present information for the masses. We have to remember, you know, if you don't remember your history, you will be doomed to repeat it, okay? And our our history is too rich to ignore. So I'm looking forward to turning over the program to our dear sister Aza as she really puts it in and highlights one of the greats, one of the greats. But let me see if I can grab on her phone. Black Power. Greetings. Greetings. There you are, dear. How are you today? I'm awesome. I'm awesome. I'm happy. This is amazing. <laughs> oh, I am incredibly pleased. It, it, it brings me a lot of joy, not just for me to present you, but for you to present this information, valuable information. So I'm going to hang back for a half second. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to hang back. I'm listening. I'm learning. I even got my pen and paper closed because I like to uh, learn as I listen. I don't waste no time. But as you have needs or whatever, you let ask questions. Cause I do have a question or two. Um, you let us know what kind of format you want to flow with, and, and we're here, okay? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. All right. Off you go. I would like to start with a poem by Maya Angelou called Phenomenal Woman. Pretty women wonder where my secret lies. I'm not cute or built to suit a fashion model size. But when I start to tell them, they think I'm telling lies. I say it's the reach of my arms, the span of my hips, the stride of my step, the curl of my lips. I am a woman, phenomenally Phenomenal woman, that is me. I walk into a room just as cool as you please. To a man, the fellow stands or fall on their knees. Then they swarm around me like a hive of honeybees. I say the fire in my eyes, the flash of my teeth, the swing in my waist, 
and the joy in my feet. I am a woman, phenomenally, phenomenal woman. That's me. Men themselves have wondered what they see in me. They try so much, but they can't touch the inner mystery. When I try to show them, they say they still can't see. I say it's the arch of my back, the sun of my smile, the ride of my breath, the grace of my style. I am a woman, phenomenally, phenomenal woman. That's me. Now you understand just why my head's not bowed. I don't shout or jump about or have to talk real loud. When you see me passing, it ought to make you smile. I say it's the click of my heels, the bend of my hair, the palm of my hand, the need for my care, because I'm a woman, phenomenally, phenomenal woman. That's me. I chose this poem because this poem was my introduction to her when I was a child, and I didn't understand at that time what that meant. My name is Aza. I am the goddaughter of Sister Seven, Mama Seven, and I am here to I am here to introduce Maya Angelou, and I also wrote a poem. As her. My name is Marjorie Johnson, better known as Maya Angelou. I was born on 4-4-28. I grew up in Missouri, in Arkansas, too. My parents split up when I was young. At the age of seven, I was raped by the boyfriend of my mom. I was so traumatized by this foolishness. I moved with my grandmother in Arkansas. Oh, shoot. I couldn't find the ways to express my feelings, so I became a virtual mute. In 1944, at the age of 16 years old, I gave birth to a poet named Guy. In 1952, I married a Greek man. He changed my life, and I'll tell you why. His name was Anastasios Andropoulos. This marriage, I thought, was my desire. But I took his last name, Angelo, and I added my childhood name, Maya. Let's talk about me having my son in high school. His father was a short-lived relationship, and the outcome changed the rules. I had to work multiple jobs while supporting my child in school. During World War II, I moved to California. I won a scholarship, study dance, and act. And during this time, I became the first female cable car conductor who is black. In the mid-1950s, 
My career as a performer took off. My first album was named Miss Calypso. I was introduced. I was involved with Porky and Beth and Calypso Heatwave, and this is how I played my role. I was a civil rights activist and a member of the Harlem Writers Guild. I organized and starred in the musical Cabaret for Freedom, only so the SCLC can build. I worked with James Earl Jones, Lou Gossett Jr., and Cicely Tyson in the introduction called The Black. I earned a Tony and Emmy Award nomination for Look Away and Root because it was snatched. I spent time in Egypt, then Ghana, as an editor and freelance writer. I held the position at the University of Ghana, and that pushed my limits higher. I joined the community of revolutionary returnees, and I started exploring Pan-Africanism. I met Malcolm X there, and upon returning to the United States, I connected with him. We set up the organization of Afro-American Unity, and we held it with such pride. Unfortunately, it disbanded right after he died. My memoir, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings, was the first nonfiction bestseller from my race. I received several awards for my work because my words became a safe place. My collections include, Oh, Pray My Wings Are Going to Fit Me, Shaker, Why Don't You Sing, and Still I Rise. I Should Not Be Moved, Even the Stars Look Lonesome. And some work was nominated for a Pulitzer, Pulitzer Prize. I wrote, Post of Mourning, just for the inauguration of Bill Clinton. Many other works and awards I have yet to mention. My childhood experience caused me not to speak for quite some time. But it's one thing that I could not leave behind. I married white men because I remember what happened to me as a child. I tried to hide it while I fought for black kings and queens. Now that was wild. I was good friends with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He was killed on my birthday. I stopped celebrating my day because they snatched my friend away. But I did send Coretta some flowers just for that. I know she mourns for her king, and you know we can't take that back. 
Oprah took me out on the cruise for my 70th birthday in 1998. And James Baldwin encouraged me to write while the cage bird sings. Now, isn't that great? Everyone was so proud of my accomplishments. They asked me, why am I so humble? I remember working at the strip club, tangled with prostitution and drugs, just so my son's stomach won't rumble. They killed the man that raped me. My life was just a stumble, but it made it work. But I made it work. I toured 22 countries with Corgi and Beth, so I was able to turn mess into bliss. I married Paul DeFue three times because I loved him that much. They called me a sellout, not knowing about my history of that black man's touch. But I was with the big civil rights movement leaders. So hush. I became an ancestor on May 28th. 2014, I accomplished what I needed. I did everything. So I don't walk around in the slumber. I even met Barack and Michelle Obama. I've dealt with my generational trauma, and I've dealt with the boyfriend of my mama. I would like to read, Still I Rise. You may write me down in history with your bitter and twisted lies. You may try me in the very dirt, but still, like dust, I rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Because I walk like I got oil well pumping in my living room. Just like moons and like suns with the certainty of tide. Just like hopes springing high. Still, I rise. Did you want to see me broken? Bowed head and lowered eyes. Shoulders falling like teardrops, weakened by by my soulful cries. Does my haughtiness offend you? Don't you take it awful hard? Because I laugh like I got gold mines digging in my backyard. You may shoot me with your words. You may cut me with your eyes. You may kill me with your hatefulness, but still, like air, I rise. Does my sexiness upset you? Does it come as a surprise that I dance like I've got diamonds at the meeting of my thighs? Out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. Up from a past that's rooted in pain, I rise. 
I'm a black ocean, leaping and wide, welling and swelling, I bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise into a daybreak that's wondrously clear. I rise, bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave. I am the dream. I am the hope blaze. I rise, I rise, I rise. I also saw some quotes that I wanted to read, and it was a letter to my daughter. You may not control all of the events that happen to you, but you can decide not to be reduced by them. To be a rainbow in someone's cloud. A friend may be waiting behind a stranger's face. I believe that one can never leave home. I believe that one carries the shadows, the dreams, the fears, and the dragons of home under one's skin at the extreme corners of one's eyes and possibly in the gristle of the earlobe. Make every effort to change the things you don't like. If you cannot make a change, change the way you have been thinking. You might find a new solution. The charitable say in effect, I seem to have more than I need, and you seem to have less than you need. I would like to share my excess with you. Fine. If my excess is tangible, money or good, and fine. If not, for I learned that to be charitable with gestures and words can bring enormous joy and repair injured feelings. Never whine. Whining lets a brute know that a victim is in the neighborhood. We may act sophisticated and worldly, but I believe we feel safest when we go inside ourselves and find home, a place where we belong. It may be the only place we really do. I am convinced that most people don't grow up. We find Parkins, we marry and dare to have children and call that growing up. I think what we do is mostly growing old. We carry accumulation of years in our bodies and on our faces. But generally, generally, our real selves, the children inside, are still innocent and shy as magnolias. I've never, I am never proud to participate in violence, yet I know that each of us must care for ourselves 
that we be ready and able to come to our own defense and whenever needed. All great artists draw from the same source, the human heart, which tell us that we are more alike than unalike. One person with good purpose can constitute the majority. Whenever I begin to question whether God is this, I look up to the sky and surely there, right there, between the sun and moon, stands my grandmother singing a long meter hymn, a song somewhere between a moan and a lullaby. And I know faith is the evidence of things unseen. And all I have to do is continue trying to be a Christian. Those facts, but facts to a child, are merely words to memorize. There was possi- there was a possibility that God really did love me. Me, Maya Angelou. I suddenly began to cry at the gravity and grandeur of it all. I know that if God loved me, then I could do wonderful things. I could try great things, learn anything, achieve anything. For what can stand against me since one person with God constitutes the majority? The human heart is so delicate and sensitive that it always needs some tangible encouragement to prevent it from faltering in its labor. The human heart is so robust, so tough, that once encouraged, it beats a rhythm with a loud, unswerving insistency. Now, with these quotes, these quotes mean so much to me. As, As a poet, being able to tap into her energy and just understand her truth and write a poem for her, it means a lot to me. It's a lot of things I didn't know about Miss Angela. She dealt with a lot. She's seen a lot. She she witnessed a lot. And just writing about how her past shaped her future, it, it gave me hope as a black woman as a fellow poet, as a person who cares about her black brothers and sisters while facing her own stuff and still striving to elevate. Maya Angelou, her childhood was taken from her. And she became mute. So at a young age, she realized that Her words or her thoughts came in the face. I couldn't imagine being seven and having my childhood snatched from me and blaming myself for the man who did it getting killed. She thought her words killed the man, though she didn't talk. She consistently read. 
she consistently pushed forward. But I couldn't imagine that type of pain. And being 16, being around strip clubs and bartending and drugs and prostitution just so her son can eat. And being in 2021 and, and, and thinking about how it was in the past, how it could have been in the past, being that I was not there, it put me in a different headspace. It shows generational things. And a lot of people say, well, the new, this is new. But just by reading this queen's information and creating a poem just to show my appreciation for her life, I felt hurt for her as well. I couldn't imagine jumping from relationship to relationship and striving to hide it because it wasn't of the same race. That had to have been very difficult for her. But she's shown me a lot. She showed me what love is. She showed me that I too can elevate while in chaos. When she said, let me go back to the quote. You can't control things that happen to you, but you can decide not to be reduced by them. Try to be a rainbow in someone's cloud. Do not complain. Make every effort to change things you do not like. If you cannot make a change, change the way you have been thinking. You might find a new solution. That takes a type of divine guidance that I think we all need to tap into. Appreciate her mind. I appreciate her struggle. I appreciate her thoughts, her words. She used her talent, which was writing. She was also a singer. She was also a playwright, screenwriter. And she used and she used her words. I I couldn't imagine how painful that's been being alive during those times and racial discrimination. You having problems with yourself and now, you know, you're facing with your child and then your love. That's a lot of things to be handling as a black woman during those times. And I really appreciate this opportunity. Mama Seven. Do you have any questions? Or does anyone have any questions? 
I know I began. I know I began asking myself questions, and some of the questions I asked myself was how how can I use my words to empower other people, and some of one of my solutions was to use poetry just like she did, use storytelling, the art of storytelling, just like she did. And I I think as a poet, creating these things in your head so you can get them out, that was a big deal for me. And I remember reading about her and Martin Luther King and their friendship. And and having your friend pass on your birthday. She was selfless and still gave to Miss Coretta Scott King. She gave her her flowers every year. How can someone who goes through so much pain be so selfless? How can somebody who goes through so much pain still give? And understanding and putting myself in that place as I was writing this, putting myself in her shoes as I was writing this, it made me think about my own, my own journey. She was talking about shadow work back then. <laughs> facing your facing your fears, changing the things you don't like. That's what we call shadow work now. Thriving on the energy of the ancestors of the most high of God. That type of strength requires a certain level of discipline that she grew, that she catered. I am very, very, very excited about presenting her because I feel like in a way I'm presenting myself using words, growing, striving, using my thoughts to create my reality, changing the way I think, improving my way of living, making ends meet the best way I can. Mm. I'm very happy. This is my dear This was okay. Hit, look, you are doing an awesome, awesome job on that. I know when I presented um, Harriet Tubman, I had goosebumps the whole time. I was sitting there like, you know, it's like I could feel it. It meant so much to me. You know what I'm saying? So I dig it. You know, I have a question for you, if you don't mind. Yes, ma'am. One question I have for you is like, like for me, I respected, you know, I respect Mama Harriet's work so much, Dr. Bethune's work so much that sometimes I get mad. I get mad at my people 
when they don't, how do you feel, you know, she was such a literary genius. You know, how do you feel about, like, the current state of literacy? I don't even want to say education because this is not education. Um, it's literacy, it's words, it's communication. You know, like, I get mad. I'm an 80s baby. I like good rap. I like, you know, having that connection. I believe in spoken word and I believe in the, the griot with the, the storytelling, and it, it makes me just mad when I hear, like, mumble rap, you know. It makes me mad when I hear people, our people, you and I's people, doing such a poor job of, of communicating. I'm like, wait a minute, I know you can do better. I know, you know, we have such great to, to copy from, to follow with, you know, to, to build from, and it seems like what's getting the eye, what's, what's selling, what's making the millions of dollars is the quick, is the quick fast, cheap stuff. You know what I'm saying? How, how do you compare her works to the works that are out now? As far as... Hmm. I think with 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 her work compared to what's going on now, I think it was based on like survival with her. I think that she understood the 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 importance of educating herself and the value of communication. Being that she didn't talk, she stopped talking after she was raped. She became mute. So I think that her approach to literacy was a form of survival for her. Mm. You know, black women, black men, we, we couldn't, we weren't able, we had to fight to read. We had to fight to get adequate education. We had to fight just to have a voice. She took more pride in her approach with literacy and education because that's all she had. She was 16 when she had a child. And she worked in, in bars and strip clubs, and she dealt with prostitution and drugs. And so that gives you a different type of respect for something that we might call so little. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, her... Oh. It, it, I'm getting goosebumps. It's like <laughs> she just, she really had to fight her whole life just to live, going from, uh-huh. and, and she she couldn't talk, she couldn't even express her love for the people she married because they were in a different race. So yeah. she had to subliminally and subconsciously use her skills just to communicate and had to hide her relationship so she had to write about the things she went through and had to write about the things you know that that bothered her that's that's different I know you're big on journaling you tell us to journal you're you're big on journaling and thoughts so as I was writing this poem I was like, 
see why she wrote so much because as as I journal now, as I currently journal, it's it's a relief. It feels like you let some things go. Yes. On the spiritual mm-hmm. level, on the physical level, mental, emotional, you letting it go on paper. So I understand now how she was able to do what she did because that was really what she had. That was her mouthpiece for a long time. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, what what do you say to all those other to the to the little girls that think about writing? You know, what what do you say to them? You know, I know I growing up I did some writing and I wrote because I was not confident in my words in, in speaking. I wasn't confident in speaking. And so, but I knew I could write my way around things. I, 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 I had, I could write it. I can write it. I, I could leave you. I could draw a story with words, you know, and and I could pull you into it with words. But I had to stop and think about it. I couldn't just speak them, you know. When you're speaking, that's a lot faster than writing. And so, you know, what do you say to all those that find writing as that? outlet for them, you know, for true expression? What, how, how do you begin to address that? Because who she is and who she, who she was will be forever, you know, but it's going to be up to us to tell the next generation about her. You know, this is why we're doing this. You know, to tell the next generation, you can use the, the words to get your point across, to get your feelings across, no matter what the feelings are, you know. So what do you say to those young ones coming in trying to build off of that, you know? I would encourage them to go for right, I would say, express yourself because your feelings are valid. And as you continue to write, you'll find your groove. Don't compare your writing to anyone. Just write, write, because writing is healing, and writing is a part of you and your beauty. Continue to 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 find your voice, because writing is also a form of communication. And as long as you are standing in your truth, you will find the strength to have confidence in your writing, in yourself, because when you write from passion, people feel that. Uh People feel that. People know it. They honor it. They they give you, you know, your credit because they know that you're not just doing something. They understand that this this is for your healing. So I started writing when I was young as well. And I stopped. I stopped due to life experience, but I would encourage them not to stop. Even if it's a sentence, just keep writing and keep letting it flow because you deserve to be heard. And with Mm -hmm. writing, you know, it's not biased. You know, you, you you can actually express who you are. And and it's not for anybody. You write for you, not for 
anybody else right for you, right for your spirit. Because your healing can't be compared to someone else's likeness. You know, that that's a real heavy point you just said there. I was just about to ask about that. What about, you know, everything we do now is uh, social media, everything. Everybody believes that, they're, that they have to come online and say this and, and show this and selfies all over the place and everything else like that. It's almost like no one is having internal thoughts anymore. Everything is, is out in the open, not just out, but out to be judged. You know what I'm saying? Like people are like, hey, you know, look at me, look at this. And I'm like, um, ain't that person a little mama? You know, you know, is that something you really want to share out loud to everyone, brother? You know, and but we do it, we do it. And so, uh, how do you present your art but still keep it personal? You know what I'm saying? How do you, um, how do you just learn to feel confident within yourself? You know, and not worry about you know whether people liked it or this person liked it or that person liked it or whatever. You know, how do you get past the critics? Ooh, I had some. I had I had a couple. Uh, still do sometimes. You know, I mean, this is what I would do if I have if I have situations that I I actually do if if I have things that you know are a little too heavy, I don't post them. I don't post the too heavy stuff. I have a journal and I keep it in that journal and I use it as my venting space. But at the same time, if it's some things that needs to be out or needs to be, you need to get out on your chest, I say get it off. But with with me, you know, you of course you have to do things with with taste or whatnot. But people are going to judge you whether you're doing right. People going to yeah. judge you if you're doing wrong. People are just they're going to have something to say regardless. So. Be confident in you and yourself and your stuff because the person that you, that person that it resonates with the most won't like it. <laughs> they won't like your status. They won't like it. They won't comment. They won't do anything because they don't want to see it. They don't want anybody else to see that they resonated with the message. But believe me, someone is always watching. Someone is always listening. Someone is always looking for a word of encouragement always looking for someone who feels just like them and they might not have the words and you do. So mm-hmm. this this age of social media, I mean, yeah. to me, I call Facebook Flexbook because we flex <laughs> on, the, on, on, on the social media, Instagram, Twitter. We, we put on this facade. We hide behind the avatar. We put on the scene. Right. But be your authentic self because somebody will always appreciate it. Absolutely. Just like there's someone always going to appreciate it, there always be haters. You know what I'm saying? There's always going to be mm-hmm. someone with opinion. And, you know, even, and this is crazy, but even in our community, let's say, let's say you get a lot of awards. Let's say people really like it. Then then your very own people call you a sellout. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, you're not going to be able to keep and make all people happy. 
You know, so the question is, are you happy? And if you can say that you're happy, then you're getting somewhere. You're doing something. But until then, we're we're spinning wheels, you know? And so it's, like, so important that we stop, stop spinning wheels and, and we focus on what's important, which is, you know, how did this make us feel as individuals, you know? How did this make me feel as a woman, you know? How did this make me feel as a, a fellow writer, you know, what, what, what did I get from this, you know? And so when we allow ourselves to go in, uh, then we don't have to worry so much about what's on the outside, you know? And, the, the, ugh, and writing, and one thing, writing, you can always edit, you know? You can always change. You can always... <laughs> yes track down progression. You can always see, you know, so it's like, let your writing be your voice, but be mindful, your writing will change because you're going to change. You know, it's a process. It's like starting your hair, you know. It's not going to look the same a year later. It's going to change. You're going to experience things. You're going to find new ways to, to float with your words. You're going to find new ways to adjust. You're going to find new ways to create. I've never, this was the longest poem I've ever written. This poem was like a couple pages long. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. But this was the first time I've actually read a biography and researched something and created poetry from it. So this was just as new for me. And right, right. I felt gross because if I didn't practice writing, I couldn't have done things like this. So just continue to write and, and continue to allow your words to flow. And don't look for things that's wrong. Sometimes just look for the things that's right. Did your point get across? Did you mean to say what you said? Did you say it the right way that's for you? So people, let them do them. But this is a form of therapy. Like we just learned from Miss Angelo, how to get through trauma by writing and with writing. Coming from a woman that was nominated for all of these awards, received all of these accolades, which she rightfully deserved, and she couldn't, she she didn't talk after getting raped. To use these powerful words and build upon them and, and gather information and do what she has to do for her and her happiness, that should be an example for everyone, man and woman, women, sorry. So it's like I appreciate her struggle a little better now because I didn't know these things. I mean, I've read Phenomenal Woman and I've read Still I Rise, but it just hits differently now knowing where those words came from, especially Phenomenal Woman. When she said, I'm not cute or built to suit or fashion model size, you know how many women are facing that now? Then with these social media women and lights and blah, 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 and surgeries, and they didn't have all of yep. that growing up or back then, but now they do. So that along with saying self-confidence, queen, you have it, queen. Yep, yep. And how many, and I know so many of us that need that boost. I need that reality check, you know, because it's like, man, if she can survive this, I might be able to survive it too. 
unfortunately, trauma is not new in our um, in our community. Trauma is not new. And so there may be, you know, those out there struggling, same issue, same problem, didn't know how to get through it, didn't know you can get through it. And that may look now, you know, with this additional information and say, hey, this is a way to get through this. And, you know, we're talking about Maya Angelou and, you know, she was a writer. But this mm-hmm. is for any creative energy. You know, if you're a painter, if you are any type of artistic, creative expression that takes heart, energy, soul, it takes everything to do, you know, this is this is what we're talking about, you know. Um, and don't be afraid to put it out there because fear will hold you captive. Fear will stop you in your tracks. You know, disappointment will stop you. You know, you have to have that determination, that self-determined spirit within that's going to say, you know what, I'm not accepting this. I'm not accepting these limitations. I'm not accepting this heartache. I'm not accepting this hardship. I'm, I'm not going to accept it. I, I, I demand, I insist for more. And so, you know, this is where it leaves us. And it's a good place to be. It's a good place to be, and, and you are with friends and family. Um, at the same time, this is how you also learn how to get through some things. And, and using these examples, this Did You Know series, these are the people that made contributions to the African-American experience. Imagine how deep her education, her help, her contribution can be if we keep it alive. We got to talk about it. We got to, you know, t- discuss it. You may say, I like that poem. You may say, I really don't like that poem. You know, whatever it is, let's talk about it and keep it going because that's how we get the information. This is how our roots continue to grow deep and we become strong, you know? Oh, my sister, I don't know where the time went, but we only we only have five, oh. six more minutes left. I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> Is there anything you want to leave the people with, you know, those last words about this great woman, you know, what she meant to you, what she meant to us, whatever. How would you like to leave us this evening? I I would love to look at one of her quotes from um, letter, letter to my daughter. Mind you, she doesn't have a daughter. So, for her writing these things, it, it it feels like she was dropping gems and just helping navigate. This is the one quote that makes me smile. Since life is our most precious gift, and since it is given to us to live but once, let us so live that we will not regret. I don't want to regret my life or my decision. I don't want to regret anything. So I am learn. I am going to continue to, and I have learned how to live in happiness and surround myself with happiness, so that I too can thrive even in the midst of great trial and tribulation. 
please let Miss Angelo's life story teach you that it's okay to fall. And it's even better to get up and use your pain and trauma as a stepping stone for you to grow and prosper because you are worthy. You are worth it. You are worthy. You are awesome. We can we can thrive. If she can do this with the society that she was born in, we can do this with the society we have now. And a friend can Absolutely. be waiting behind the stranger's face. That's amazing. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Young sister, I so appreciate your honesty, your frankness, your time, your compassion, all that you contributed to this program. Um, a lot of people are checking out these series and I love it because that means that one more person that gets to experience the greatness of Maya Angela and gets to understand more about who she was and that might reflect into who they are, you know. So I, I just want to thank you for your time, tell you to continue striving. And, um, you know, I know that you're an artist of, of many talents, and I know how personal this was for you. So I really want to thank you for your time and energy and, um, you know, to encourage you to continue your journey as we're helping others on their path, you know? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. It, it, absolutely. It's my pleasure. You're always going to see, especially with People's Black Panther Party, but we're always getting that next generation ready. That's our responsibility. That's my job, to help get you ready for the work that you have to do. And then you'll turn around and do the same thing with with the other young ones we have coming up, and you're already doing it. So, you know, this is that whole link in that chain, each one teach one, this is the link. So thank you very much again. All power to the people, and good night. Good night.